Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Earlier this week, the Department of Homeland Security quietly ended the controversial Remain in Mexico policy. So what comes next for asylum seekers? We want to dig into that and make sure we have a clear understanding of both where we are and what comes next. Nick Miroff is a reporter for The Washington Post covering immigration enforcement and the Department of Homeland Security, and he joins us on the line. Uh, Nick, you had a, a great piece in The Washington Post today. Uh, talking about the ending of the Remain in Mexico policy. Just for our listeners, just give a quick snapshot. Uh, This obviously was a Trump administration-era policy uh, where people could remain or were forced to remain in Mexico while their asylum uh, hearings were were being played out. Uh, What what has the status been uh, since the Biden administration took office, and uh, where are we now with this uh, quietly being done by the Department of Homeland Security? Well, that's right. I'll try to give you the the short version, which is basically that when Biden took office, he ended the program. Um, It was obviously opposed by uh, critics of President Trump and and advocates for immigrants who said it was, you know, cruelly sending them back to dangerous Mexican border cities. So Biden ended it. But the state of Texas, state of Missouri, uh, they sued uh, the Biden administration to force a restart and a federal judge ordered uh, the Biden administration to do that last fall. It's been uh, the Biden administration restarted the program kind of with, uh, I would say, less intensity. Uh, Certainly far fewer number of people were being sent back, but the program was still going. Um, And the Supreme Court ruled just uh, this past June um, that the district court had uh, that forced Biden to do that, had overstepped its boundaries, that the Biden administration did have the authority to end it. And so what we saw uh, at the beginning of this week is DHS finally announcing that the program is ending. Okay. And so and help our listeners understand. Uh, so this is someone coming to the border uh, who is specifically seeking asylum. Uh, give us some context in terms of that and then uh, what typically happens once someone has asked for asylum. Yeah, well, at the origin of, of a lot of this is just this huge increase in the number of of asylum cases that that are that are arriving into the U.S. immigration system, and what the Trump administration uh, was trying to do with with remain in Mexico, um, it said was to cut down on fraudulent or or you know meritless asylum claims by by migrants who may not actually be persecution victims, but who 
wanted to use the asylum process to avoid being detained and deported. So as those numbers came came up, they the, went up. They they came up with this program. The idea being that someone who comes over tries to to claim a fear of persecution and seeks asylum. Well, they should have to go back and wait in Mexico for the duration of their court proceedings, so that they wouldn't just be released into the United States regardless of whether or not they deserved asylum. And and so you know what was controversial about it uh, in particular was the. The, the fact that that a lot of these folks were were being sent back to uh, border cities in Mexico that are where kidnapping and assaults and, and homicides and all of these things are, of course, uh, rampant and you know was placed and so the program was placing a lot of a lot of people at risk and that's that's was you know one of the big themes of why the Biden administration initially said they wanted to end it this time around a lot of their arguments were just about kind of how how administratively cumbersome. The program became for the Department of Homeland Security, given that they had to go through all of these procedures just to just to put somebody into the into the program and send them back to Mexico. I thought one of the great uh, points you made in your piece today uh, was really about this idea of, of what it is, what constitutes that asylum seeker, that it is someone who's either being persecuted or targeted or who is at risk. Uh, if they were to stay in that country. And so different from others who cross the border, asylum seekers sort of have this special status. As you mentioned, there are some who obviously try to use that uh, to get into the country. And then if they don't have to wait around, they can they can move about the country and uh, w- without uh, you know being cumbered by any of that. And uh, so I think that's a, a, an important thing to, to keep in mind in terms of what kind of people we're dealing with and who we're trying to protect in this. Uh, I think it's one of the great components of our country that compassion, peace, and rule of law can be compatible principles. Uh, and so as, as you look at this moving forward, uh, how do you see things uh, changing? Obviously, there's still a, a big influx of, of both just people coming across the border and of asylum seekers. What do you think the path forward is? What does that look like in the months ahead? Well, I mean, our asylum system, as you point out, which has long been a, a source of, of, of pride and of, and of, you know, a sense of compassion, with a lot of it with its roots in the post-World War II era when, when the United States wishes it had done more to, to help folks who were, you know, fleeing persecution, um, you know, it is under strain like never before and, and really is on the, on the verge of, of collapse. And, you know, both parties recognize that, Things are so uh, so broken that urgent, you know, legislative action is needed, and yet they they can't come together. And so, the you know the the backlog of cases has grown to several hundred thousand. It takes on average uh, uh, years for for someone with an asylum claim to fully, um, you know, have that claim processed in in court. And and in you know and in many cases the asylum system has become vulnerable to, to this kind of exploitation, um, you know, by, by folks who are, are really economic migrants and who see this as a, as a kind of, you know, backdoor way to be allowed into the United States, to live and work in the United States. And even if they get, ultimately, their claims fail, you know, the chances that they're going to be deported are, uh, if you look at the statistics, are, are, you know, relatively low. So I think there's broad recognition that, that the, the system is broken. But um, as with so many things in our in, in our Congress right now, getting you know both parties to work together to fix it to compromise that's just another matter. 
Yeah, and Nick, I, I'm so glad you pointed that out because it is one of the things that I noted in Washington is that there's broad agreement on the system being broken and outdated and antiquated uh, and creating so many problems in so many ways. Uh, and there's great agreement on that. And yet both the political parties, I think, would rather have it as a political point, a wedge issue, a fundraising opportunity uh, than actually doing the hard work and heavy lifting of the policy uh, that I think could actually fix a lot of this uh, very, very quickly. Uh, just one last uh, quick question for you as we roll into the fall. Uh, obviously, the rhetoric will heat up. I've already seen some today. People saying, oh, you know, we're, we're funding for 80,000 more IRS agents. You know, why are we not doing more to help? process, as you mentioned, hundreds of thousands uh, of cases that will take years to work through. Uh, what are the rumblings? What are you sensing? Is Are there any windows or any areas where we could at least make some advancement uh, in terms of how we deal with asylum seekers? Well, the, the, the Biden administration actually has come up with uh, a proposal for, for expediting this process. They want to have um, asylum officers from U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services start to uh, adjudicate those claims rather than have everything go to the immigration mm-hmm. courts, which are really overwhelmed. Um, but, you know, they've announced this program. It was supposed to start a long time ago. The rollout has been extremely slow. The funding is, is in doubt. And if they do start it, it's likely to be so small that it's hard to see it having really any any impact. And so, I, I think we can expect we're going to be at this impasse for a while. Um, and, you know, as you point out, the risk is that is that, you know, this this bedrock, you know, some of these bedrock principles about how we treat people fleeing persecution are, you know, are really at, at risk of, um, you know, of, 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 go, of going away. And uh, and and, you know, unless people can come together and and reach some kind of compromise to, to make common sense you know, changes to, to the way things are working, the prospects are, are, are pretty grim, I think, going forward. Yeah. And sadly, I think we could solve most of this on the floor of the House and the Senate in an afternoon because people agree on the principles. we got to get the politics out of the way. Nick, great writing, great perspective from The Washington Post today. Uh, Nick Miroff, uh, reporter for The Washington Post, covering immigration enforcement and the Department of Homeland Security. Nick, thanks for your perspective today. Great stuff. Thank you. Anytime, Boyd. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk about the IRS and do they really need 80,000 more agents. Uh, We're going to really dig into that in terms of what the modernization, just some computer technology might just make a difference. Stay with us. More to come on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.